Before the idea for this episode popped up, I hit a block. Each one of the women I had reached out to for their stories didn't respond. Things seemed grim. In line with this season's theme of hope, I wanted a story about a woman who had gotten to the peak of her career, a woman who had done it all. However, I was stuck. So I reached out to Mohini. She's the media manager at Peacetack. Hi, Mohini. Hey, Aisha. What's up? I'm good. So it's about the podcast again. Oh. Yeah. I'm still struggling with it. Like everyone I've reached out to is not responding. Seen. Okay. Uh, so I thought about it last week when you first mentioned it. I think I know someone who'd be a good fit. Her name is Miss Lati. Who is Miss Lati? Who is Miss Lati? Who is Miss Lati? Miss Carmen Lati, or Miss Lati as many people call her, is an educator. She gained over 50 years of experience. Yes half a century's worth of experience working in the education sector in multiple countries. Like, she has been a teacher, a policy advisor, a board member, a mentor, an administrator. The list goes on. Yeah, she's pretty dope. Sounds good. Please do an intro. I'd love to talk to her. Awesome, Sauce. Will do. And she's written a book. It's called Dare to Be. So I'll send that over to your house. Sounds good. Thank you so much. A few weeks after that call with Mohini, I jumped on a call with Miss Lati and she shared a lot with me. This is a story about starting small, overcoming challenges and eventually getting to the top. Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin and I like girls. This is a podcast about African women and the different experiences life shows at us for being women. If you still haven't listened to season one of the podcast, I highly recommend that you do after this episode. It's available on whatever streaming platform you're listening on right now. In this episode, I speak to Miss Lati about her life and her work as an educationist, from leaving her home country in Jamaica to establishing a career in Nigeria. Miss Lati was born in Jamaica in 1942. She's the last of eight children. She also had quite the childhood. Somewhat mischievous, talkative when I have to, but silent most of the time. An observer. She's right about being an observer. As a child, she barely talked. This led her mom and siblings to assume that she was deaf and dumb. Yes, sometimes I learned at an early age that to make your point, you shouldn't always have to talk. And just to watch people and how they interact with each other and how their behavior affects your life in general. And as as I said in my book, I was the last of eight children. Um, and my father died before I was born. So you're, you're in a group of adults. The closest sibling to me was four years older than I was. So you're you're a small, like a tiny child in tall grass. 
and many times silence was the way to survive. Pretend you don't know what's going on. For the record, Miss Lassie makes a ton of references to her book, an autobiographical sketch where she pretty much tells her life story. More on that as the story progresses. Okay, back to Miss Lati being a quiet four-year-old. Yes, um, I pretended not to be able to talk because, again, you know, things happen fast when you have to grow up in an adult world. And I realized that if you don't talk, people believe that you can't hear, you know. They say deaf and dumb go together. So I pretended not to be able to talk. And I sat in the middle of everybody. My sister and her boyfriend, I'm in the middle. My brother and his girlfriend, I'm in the middle. My mother and my sister, I'm in the middle. And so I would hear everybody's business. And we went to bed. Again, I'm in the middle, sleeping with my mother and my sister, my eldest sister and I'm in the middle of the bed. And they were talking about my one of my sisters and her boyfriend. And when, you know, I forgot that I wasn't able to talk and I then said, no, no, that's not how it went. That's not how it went. <laughs> the two women just sat up, bolt, simultaneously, looked at me. And then my sister just, clapped me on my bottom four times. You're going to school Monday morning. You're going to school Monday morning. Naughty child, naughty child. And that was how I went to school at age four. The following Monday morning, September 1946, as, and I'm using air quotes here, punishment for being naughty, Miss Lati was enrolled into school. There was just one teeny mini issue with that. Um, at that time, you couldn't be in an all-age school or what we call the primary school before you were seven. But fortunately, my sister was a teacher and she could always, it's like you're following your sister, your eldest sister to school. And they then had to find a way with the Ministry of Education to get my name on the register. And um, somehow they did it. You know how it is. It's, it's, it's not only today that some people can call in special favors. You know, it's a traditional thing. So they call in some favors and my name went on the school register. So I actually started school before I should have been in that age group. I think by now, it's pretty clear that Miss Lati was a really clever child. She learned to read super fast and was very self-aware. She was exceptional at her academics and she did so well in school that before she was 10, she was writing exams slated for age groups way older than hers. Her development was also so fast that she caught up with one of her sisters who was four years ahead. This sister was involved in a life-defining decision for Miss Lati. So by the time I was eight, I was sitting for my first Jamaica local exam. That's one of the national exams. And you may have seen the joke in it because one of my sisters, the one who is immediately ahead of me, I caught her up in classes. And so we were going through school together. 
And when we went to the exam center, she was sitting with her biting her pen and we were organized alphabetically. So I was sitting behind her and I'm eight, she's 12. And I said, are you going to fail? She said, yes, I can't do the math. So I put my pen down, you know, little girl, I put my pen down, fold my arms and said, okay, I'm gonna fail with you. And I did fail with her. And it was the wonder of the school. I mean, the genius has failed and everybody was laughing, you know, and I felt so badly. The jokes about her failing bothered her so much that it triggered some kind of energy she didn't even know she had. I made up my mind I would never fail anything else in life. I would rather not attempt it. And, you know, even through university, through college, if I ran in a race and you beat me, I would just say, oh, I'm not interested. I don't want to do that anymore. You know? But um, that experience conditioned me how to not fail and how to deal with failure. So I never failed anything else again, ever. By the time Miss Lati turned 11, she had finished all her required exams and even bagged a scholarship to secondary school. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. Before we go further into Miss Lati's academic journey, I need to tell you a bit about her relationship with her immediate family. Stick with me here. Miss Lati never got to meet her dad. This was because he died before she was born. Her mom, already pregnant with her, received the tragic news of her 64-year-old husband's collapse on his coffee plantation. They later found out that he had died due to an intestinal obstruction. My mother did not want any more children after the seventh one. And my father, having died, had left her pregnant. It annoyed her totally, you know. Um, that's the impression I got. That, okay, you are not wanted. And that's why we have to be careful with the, the vibrations we send out, even to the unborn child. Because there I was thinking, okay, I'm a nuisance. She didn't want any more children. Now she has this little one running behind her and it annoyed the heck out of her. And so I'm rationalizing it now as an adult and looking at what it did to me is I felt that she didn't love me at all. You know, you're a nuisance. Miss Lati says her mom was strict, often attempting to discipline the kids with a whip. She said this greatly affected how she viewed her mom. She doted on my sister who was immediately before me. And that caused a sibling rivalry because there I was, I was outperforming all my other brothers and sisters as if I'm going to show you all that you didn't want me. I'm going to make you want me. You know, you, you're trying to force somebody to love you. Yeah. And so you're going to do everything possible. You're going to achieve. You're going to excel. You're going to be homely. You're going to be well-mannered. You're going to be cooperative. 
When Miss Lati was about 12, she had a defining encounter that forced her mom to start respecting her. And I remember the tradition in the family, in the country generally, you didn't have children out of wedlock. And when my sisters got pregnant, those children would be sent home to mama and they never ever knew who their parents were. And again, you know, she gets angry and she would tell the little children, don't cry in my house, you know, you're bastards. Just what the, the larger society was doing to you. Let me explain this bit. As Miss Lati said, at the time, it was considered shameful to have children without being married first. To be honest, that still happens even now. So, whenever her older sisters got pregnant, their kids had to come live with their grandma, Miss Lati's mom, while her sisters went on with their lives. Grandma was sometimes mean to the kids as a result. And I remember when I was 12 or thereabout, she was talking to my little niece and my little nephew like that. And I, and I said, Mama, you can't talk to these babies like that. They're not responsible for their parents' action. And she decided to slap me across my face. And as fast as the hand went up, I grabbed it. And I looked her straight in the face. And I said, let this be the last day you put your hand on me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take it anymore. And um, today's parent may say I was rude, but it had reached a point where I had to survive. I had to speak. I had to let myself be heard. And she said, no, 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 no. You will soon get your own. And I said, Mama, trust me. You won't get my child to either cuddle or curse. Because seeing all of this, I won't have any. And that, and I, I was 12. And then I said to her, that's the last day you will put your hand on me. And she never did again. I guess she was scared. <laughs> you know. And uh, so it was at that point that our relationship began to turn around, you know, and respect developed. After that incident in July 1957, their relationship slowly began to improve. It wasn't instant, but things definitely changed. After the break, we'll dive back into Miss Lattie's school life. I'll tell you how she got a head start in the education sector. I'm a product designer and developer based in Abuja, and I build websites, mobile apps, you name it. For all my clients, I recommend using Paystack to collect payments, and let me share why. First, integration is completely free. Paystack only charges a small fee per successful payment, so they only make money if you make money. Number two, the actual technical integration is super easy. I'm able to add live payments to a website in minutes. Another reason I recommend Paystack is the high success rates. This reduces the number of frustrated customers reaching out to you. Yet another benefit is that Paystack has a lot of payment options. 
Customers are able to pay you with bank transfer, Apple Pay, their debit card, and so much more. And for many of my clients, their absolute favorite perk is a free Paystack mobile app that allows them to see payments as they're coming in, in real time. I recommend Paystack to all my clients because it makes receiving payments one less thing to worry about. And if you'd like to see for yourself, start by creating a free account at paystack.com forward slash I like girls. Welcome back. In 1957, Miss Lati joined a new set of students at Clandon College, Jamaica, through a scholarship. Her plan was to be a secretary, <laughs> then a model, then a cosmetologist. It was a constantly evolving plan. Eventually, when she finished secondary school at the age of 17, she became a grade 3 teacher. She says it was the only thing she could get into at the time. So what happened to the original plan? Well, she was too short to be a model, and her mother pretty much banned her from becoming a cosmetologist. I just stumbled on it, and eventually I was convinced that by somebody who was an inspector of schools and sort of saw me as a protege. You know, people thought I was a genius. I didn't know what genius was. You know, and... um. I was encouraged to enter the teaching profession. So I went. This person also helped her process her admission into one of Jamaica's top training schools for teachers, the Michael University College. At the time of her enrollment, she was the only woman at the entire institution. However, she ended up being the most decorated graduate to ever go through the school. Samples. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, you're very good at this thing. And somehow you have the ability to influence children. So do it. And then he did all the necessary things for me to get into Michael College. And Michael College, I mean, is a creme de la creme of teacher training and education institutions in Jamaica. After Michael College, in August 1966, Miss Lati got a job at Point Hill School. She was appointed home economics mistress of the school. She was also the primary three class teacher and taught English language after school hours. She stayed in the school for two years before delving into archaeology, educational publishing, and then marketing, which took her around the Caribbean. She also worked at the British and American embassies in Jamaica. I promise you, her career is stacked. She racked up so many professional stints and accolades that we won't be able to go through all of them in this episode. So I'm going to fast forward. All the way to 1974, when Miss Lati found her way to Nigeria, just a few years after the Civil War ended. One of her sisters, Jenny, who left Jamaica for England when Miss Lati was just a baby, had met and married one Ben Njoku, an Igbo man from eastern Nigeria. Jenny and Ben settled in Onisha, a major city in Anambra state, with their three children, about a year before the war erupted. One morning, Jenny and Ben were awakened by sirens and shouting. Hold on, let me tell you a little bit about the Nigerian Civil War. (laughs) 
At the time Nigeria gained independence from Britain in 1960, the country was dominated by the Hausa tribe in the northern region, the Yoruba tribe in the western region, and the Igbos in the eastern region. Six years after independence, Nigeria experienced two military takeovers that led to the killing of thousands of minority Igbos living in northern Nigeria. So, in the southeast, a military officer called Emeka Ojuku declared the independence of the Republic of Biafra on behalf of the Igbo people. But Nigeria would not accept this, and as a result of the simmering tension, on the 6th of July 1967, civil war broke out. The war went on for two and a half years. It's estimated that more than a million people died. Jenny and Ben got caught up in the war and found themselves on the run till they ended in Gabon, Central Africa. So for years after the war, the family hadn't heard from her and I was delegated. When she finally surfaced, I was delegated to go to Nigeria to visit her, to sort of, you know, cheer her up or give her back her sense of of life and, and my company was benevolent enough to finance my trip to Nigeria that was in 74 and so I spent almost a year in Onitsha with my sister. Miss Lati was there for her sister and I think it's fair to say that she helped Journey walk through surviving the civil war. Spending a year in Nigeria also gave her the chance to explore the country a bit and to get familiar with it. I mean, she eventually left, but she came back 26 years later, in 1993. A year before, she met and got married to Douglas, who eventually obtained a Commonwealth scholarship to pursue a master's degree in international law and diplomacy at the University of Lagos. And um, in a way... I think I had explored and achieved as much as I wanted to achieve in Jamaica and beyond, you know, in, in certain foreign services and so. And it was beginning to be claustrophobic. Jamaica is a small island. You right. get to your limit fast. And by that time, I couldn't think of what other, what other interesting thing I could do in Jamaica. So I was engaged and, you know, put a little romance in it. Oh, yeah. Then I, I came to Jamaica, came to Nigeria to say, let me see if I could stay. The marriage didn't work. He had to go back home. And I had my 12-year-old son with me. Oh, yeah. By this time, she had her own son. This greatly influenced her decision-making. I could not go back home and say I was a failure. And I had, you know, dislodged this child from his luxury and his comfort. And I felt I owed him, if nobody else a restoration of the kind of life or as near as possible. But the whole thing was fantastic for him. I brought up a better child in Nigeria than I would have brought up in Jamaica or in the Americas. 
Miss Lazzy had to pretty much start a new life all by herself. Her marriage didn't work, she was in a new country, had no job yet, and she had to figure out how to keep her son comfortable. It was a lot to deal with. So, she started small. In June 1994, she applied for the position of the executive director of Corona School Trust Council. For context, the Trust Council owned Corona Schools, a group of reputable secondary schools in Lagos, Nigeria. Getting the position was exhausting. Miss Lati had to take 21 interviews over a period of 11 months. And when I was on the 18th or so interview, my mother died in Jamaica. That's 1995. And I had to decide, do I go home for the funeral? I've done 18 interviews already over 10 months. That's a year of my life. And I thought, what would my mother say? And she would have said, stay and finish it. And that's what I did. So I was the pioneer executive director of Corona. And that was a ride, ride or die assignment, honestly. Missing mm-hmm. her mom's funeral was heartbreaking, but Miss Lati pushed on. On her first day as executive director, she was immediately faced with a challenge. And I, I stumbled, I started the Monday morning and Wednesday morning. I was in Lagos High Court, not even having had an opportunity to read the brief, see what the case is about, etc., etc. I was in Lagos High Court. Basically, some parents had taken the school to court, and Miss Lati happened to resume just in time to be thrown into the thick of things with the court proceedings. The parents were unhappy with a bunch of changes made at the school, including an increase in school fees for their kids. The court case lasted about 13 months, and Miss Lati was tasked with representing the school in court. She also had to figure out how to keep the various other corona schools open and functional while all of this was going on. I, the first meeting I had with them, that was in week two of my being there, I said to them, look, I don't know what's your quarrel with, with corona. I am new. Take this case back out of court and give me three months, one term. If you don't see any changes, go back to court. Worst, if you don't see any changes, I will resign this job. Because again, the part of their agitation became, why is it a foreigner? Right. And we didn't know you were going to appoint an executive director. The fact that they should have discussed it with them, you know, the PTA. And so, and I said, please take this thing back out of court. In one term, if there are no changes, I will resign. And you can go back to court. And they shouted me down, you know. And I said, okay, well, we stay in court. After 13 long months, the case was decided in favor of Corona, and that gave Miss Lati the opportunity to make changes that would improve the different Corona schools across Lagos. She spent eight years with Corona Schools Trust Council implementing these changes. 
One of such changes, well, she called for a revision of the curriculum and a unified examination system between all the corona schools in Lagos. She didn't like that they competed against each other and she wanted them to work together, to view themselves as teammates and as one overall entity. Ms. Lati also made it mandatory for teachers to reapply for their jobs and present their certificates, kind of like quality assurance. It was her way of making sure the teachers were qualified to teach the kids. It was a lot of change, but Ms. Lati says these changes were necessary and she believes that her improvements helped Corona grow into a much better institution. After the break, I'll tell you more about her work in another school. So I run a cleaning business where the people in my neighborhood can easily book a cleaning for their homes. I like that I can help busy mothers take care of cleaning so they can focus on everything else. Last Monday evening, I was talking with one of my neighbors, Simi, and I was telling her how hard it was for me to keep track of payments. I have a big blue notebook where I track my customers and how much they owe. It's really stressful. So Simi just asked me, Bisi, do you know Paystack? She told me that with Paystack, I can instantly send an invoice to my customers online. And my customers can pay with card, USSD, or bank transfer. I'm not too familiar with all these tech things, but Simi showed me where to set up my account. And it was so easy. So since then, I've been using Paystack invoices. I send electronic reminders to my customers about payments and I get an alert on the app when they pay me. All from my mobile phone. No more big blue book. You too can create simple invoices using Paystack. Start by opening a free account on paystack.com forward slash I like girls. After moving on from Corona, Miss Lati ever the overachiever, held on to job roles, including quality assurance in education and facility management. She even established a beauty parlor and a native fabric boutique. Then, in 2006, she became an administrator for Romex International School in Iloring, North Central Nigeria. Once again, she packed her bags and headed to Kwara, the state where Iloring is located, to do the Lord's work. I asked her what the biggest lessons from her time in the education sector were. The big lesson across the board, whether it's Corona, whether it's Romix, mm -hmm. whether it's Bridge House, whether it's all the other schools that I freelanced and um, consulted for, the big lesson is that, one, respect your clientele, train your staff. So you have to help them to develop a quality of life that will give them the respect that they didn't have. So you, you, you couldn't wear um, bathroom slippers to any organization that I was headed. And as, as you don't drop off your shoes in the classroom, you know. And the, the other lesson I learned is that if your product is good, don't alienate the parents. They are the ones paying the piper. But it doesn't mean that you have to sing every song that they, 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 they hit the chord for. In her line of work, bribes and tips are not uncommon. Parents often try to buy the loyalty of teachers or school administrators for an array of reasons. 
Although she publicly exudes integrity, Miss Lati was not spared from bribery attempts by parents. She speaks of one of such remarkable incidents that occurred in 1995. I remember in the first term I was in Corona, the Christmas 95. Christmas morning I was upstairs in Dolphin where I live. And somebody knocked on the door, opened the door, and a man was standing there with a key. And he said, Oga, say I'm to give you this key, ma'am. And I said, who is Oga and the key for what? And he said, for the Mercedes downstairs, ma'am. Oh. And I, I just said to him, get the hell out of here and take this thing with you. If I look through the window and it's still there, I'm going to come down and set it afire. Miss Lati said it was important for her to maintain her integrity. And I feel that. You have to maintain your integrity. Not everybody is going to like it. You have to be brave because you're going to mash people's toes and they're not going to take it lying down. So you must have clarity of purpose. And deliver the product and services that you have promised to deliver. Trust me, this episode does not even begin to scratch the surface of how much work Miss Lati has invested in Nigeria's education sector. It's just too much to fit into one episode. In addition to everything you've heard so far, she was chairman of the board at Queensland Academy, college administrator at Bridgehouse College, and she consulted for schools like Olashore High School in Ocean State, as well as Crawford University Foundation in Ogun State. It's an impressively long list. She documented a lot more of her life and work in her book, Dare to Be. I asked her why she wrote the book. Simply because most people don't know me. Mm. And if a cat has nine lives, I have lived nine lives. Writing a book is because I think that there are many lessons in that book for many people. Everybody can identify with it. And the people who don't know me well enough, it gave them an insight because, as I said, it's a sketch. It gave them an insight into this is what propelled her. This is who she is. So if you wanted to kill her because of what she believed in, she was willing for you to kill her. You know, and um, everybody has something there that they can learn, that they can learn. Unfortunately, the book has very limited copies left. I got to read this because Mohini, who you heard at the beginning of the episode, sent me a copy. And I have only less than right. 40 copies of that book left. And it's a wow. limited edition. We're not going to republish at the end of this. At 80, Miss Lati has lived a rich, full, amazing life. When you look back to all these experiences, what do you want people to think of you when they get all this information? That they can do it too. If I can, they can. And they can do even more because they have better tools these days. And yeah. also, Aisha, 
if you are not willing to die for what you believe in, don't have a belief. Keep running. Because nobody ah. wants to die. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. None of us want to die. I don't know what I look like, even at now. And I tell people, you say I'm 80 years old, and they start making, ah, no, not true, don't tell anybody. I say, why shouldn't I tell anybody? Should I help them to look like me when they're 80 or 90? You know, I just want people to understand helping somebody one way or the other. It's not a crime. And it makes your life richer and happier. Miss Lati and her work have not gone unrecognized. She has won a ton of awards. 2016 Rotary International Award for Merit. 2002 Queensland Academy Award. 2001 Michael University. 1998 Mother of Literature Nigeria Award. No matter what journey life takes Miss Lati on next, she's comforted by the fact that she lived a full life. When you go to sleep, what do you think about? Have no regrets. And whatever you did, it was part of the journey. Have no regrets. And yeah. have faith. Don't trust. Have faith. You trust. It's a belief. But if you have faith, it's a conviction. And that tempered with hard work and dedication. We'll get the job done, whatever the job. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Like Girls. I Like Girls is produced by 27 Productions. If you want to get in touch, visit 27productions.co forward slash I Like Girls. And follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at I Like Girls Pod. Also, please rate and review us on whatever streaming platform you're listening on. Rating us helps a lot of other people to discover the podcast, just like you. This episode is produced and written by me and Samia Talamutu. Audio engineering is by Mo Isu. Peter Akinusi is our editor. And our theme music is by Banks with a double G. The rest of the music you heard throughout this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Paystack for sponsoring this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.